what's coming up now on Established in the Faith. It is a question that divides Christianity right down the middle. It's a hypothetical question, and it's this. If David had died during this time of adultery and cold-blooded murder, would he have died saved? Hello, neighbor, and welcome today to Established in the Faith. This is Pastor James Pierce of Friendship, Free Will Baptist Church over in Middlesex, North Carolina, and how so very pleased and happy we are to be with you today. Got a great message lined up for you. Hope you can stay with us for the next 30 minutes. If not, let me encourage you to go over to establishedinthefaith.com. There you can listen to today's message as well as many others that are in podcast form. Well, we're going to go on into the message now. Hope and pray it'll be a blessing to you. have your Bibles, turn with me please to the book of 2 Samuel. 2 Samuel chapter 11, uh, reading the same passage we read last week. 2 Samuel chapter 11 verse 1, and it came to pass after the year was expired at the time when the kings go forth to battle, that David sent Joab and his servants with him in all Israel And they destroyed the children of Ammon and besieged Reba. But David tarried still at Jerusalem. And it came to pass in that evening tide that David arose from off his bed and walked upon the roof of the king's house. And from the roof he saw a woman washing herself. And the woman was very beautiful to look upon. And David sent and inquired after the woman. And one said, Is not this Bathsheba? the daughter of Eliam, the wife of Uriah the Hittite. And David sent messengers and took her, and she came in unto him, and he lay with her, for she was purified from her uncleanness. And she returned unto her house, and the woman conceived, and sent and told David, and said, I am with child. And this week we've just got some more questions as it pertains to David and Bathsheba. Let's go to the Lord in prayer and ask for his help today. Heavenly Father, it is indeed an honor and a privilege to be able to stand before your people and to minister your word. And Lord, today there are many needs under the sound of my voice. You know those needs. You know what we have need of. And Lord, I pray today that you will take these words to the hearts of your people. May the needs be met. May questions be answered as far as we can answer them. And Lord, ultimately, when it's all said and done, may we all be drawn closer to you. Anoint me today and anoint the people. And Lord, we're just careful to give you praise and glory in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen and Amen. As I stated last week, this is a chapter in the Bible that we really wish was not there. When you read it, you get sick inside, realizing that it pertains to David, a man after God's own heart, committing a sin so black and a crime so heinous. We, if it were somebody else, we might could understand, but David, we, we just can't wrap our minds around that, and we come away with more questions 
than we do answers. And we talked about last week why David decided to stay home on this particular occasion. In times past, he had gone out and would fight with his men and whatever the case, but on this particular occasion, he decided to stay home. And someone said that perhaps David was sick, and he wasn't feeling well, and that's the reason, and we dealt with that last week. That's just an excuse. And we need to stop making excuses for people. I think people just do sometimes what they want to do. But could David have had some kind of medical situation going on? David at this time was in his 50s. Could it be that David was going through a midlife crisis? If David could be brought up in today's environment with the medical profession being what it is, is it possible that if David had a scan of his brain or if the doctor could have took a sample of his blood, could there have been some kind of chemical imbalance going on that caused him to act the way that he did? I don't think so. Understand this about God. God is the righteous judge of all the earth. And what he does is right. If there was some kind of medical condition going on with David, then the judgment that came upon David because of this sin, and sin it was, wouldn't have been as severe as it was. I think God takes that into consideration. And let me veer off subject a little bit because this comes up in the minds of many people. All of us know of a Christian who has committed suicide. We don't like to talk about it. We don't like to address it. We can't imagine how a Christian could do such a thing. There are mental illnesses that people can acquire over a period of time. There are medications that can be prescribed to you by a doctor and the side effects can cause depression, deep depression. And sometimes People do things and they're not in their right mind. And I believe God takes that into consideration. When a child of God does something and they're not in their right mind, and they commit suicide, I think God takes that into account. But I don't think anything of this nature was going on with David but what did David know about Bathsheba? He had been staying there in the king's palace now for ten or more years. And you know when you stay in an area for a period of time, you get to know your neighbors. And your neighbors get to know you. What did David know about Bathsheba? Was he aware of her bathing schedule? Let's flip the coin over. What did Bathsheba know about David? Did she have any idea 
that David could walk out on the roof and see her taking a bath. If Bathsheba knew this was going on and she decided to do it anyway, was she trying to lure David in some way and try to improve her quality of life by trying to draw him in in whatever the case? I really don't think so. I don't think anything, or I would like to think that nothing went on between David and Bathsheba until you get to verse 3. Now, I want you to take a look at it here for just a minute. David sent and inquired after the woman. If David knew who she was, he wouldn't have inquired. So like I said, I don't think anything went on sinful up to this point. But when David inquired after the woman, that's where the sin came in at. Child of God, if you are married and someone makes a pass at you other than your husband or your wife, if they compliment you in any way on how you look, nod your head, say thank you, and go on about your business. You are to remain faithful to your husband. You are to remain faithful to your wife. And anything outside of that, when you begin to inquire, when you begin to engage in conversation that leads to flirting, are you listening to me? When you begin to go into that activity, things can get out of hand very quick. And the best thing for you to do when that's happening, nod your head, say thank you, and go on about your business. Because if you engage in conversation, you're going to wind up being in trouble. And when David inquired, someone told him, plainly told him, if you look there in verse 3, one said, this is Bathsheba. She's the wife of Uriah, the Hittite. Why didn't David just stop right there? Why did he insist on proceeding further and have her brought to his house? Why? I don't know. If David were here today and we could ask him why, Did you do this thing? I'm pretty sure he would probably tell us the same thing. You see, things aren't as simple as they sometimes appear to be. Things can get complicated. Oh, it looks simple to us because we're not in it. But when you put yourself in their shoes... Put yourself under the same pressures, the same conditions, the same situation. Could you do any better? Or even as good? Need to think about that. Let me aim this question 
toward God. Change it up a little bit. God knew what David would do. Why didn't God stop it? 1 Corinthians 10 and verse 13. The Bible says, There hath no temptation taken you, but such is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you are able, but will with the temptation also make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. God, knowing what was going to happen, why didn't God stop it? God could have very easily have caused Bathsheba to slip on a bar of soap and fall to where she would be out of the view of of David when he stepped out on that balcony looking. He wouldn't have seen a thing. None of this ever would have happened. But God didn't do that. But Brother James, the Bible says God makes a way of escape. Why didn't God put a stop to it? He did make a way of escape. When that individual, whoever it was, came to David and said she's a married woman, that was his way of escape right there. David was faced with a choice. I can either take this information and say she's a married woman and I don't need to be doing this and proceeding any further, or I can have relations with this woman and get away with it. After all, I'm the king, and she'll have to do whatever I say. David had a choice, just like every one of us has a choice to make. And let me tell you, God will never violate your free will of choice. He'll allow it to be laid out there. Ultimately, you're the one that has to make the choice. He sends Bathsheba home. She comes back a short time later, said, I'm with child. And the child is yours. David would have been better off if he'd have come clean before God. And repented before God. God, I'm sorry, I've done this thing. Brought Uriah in and confessed his sin. And tried to make amends concerning this thing. He'd have been better off to have stopped it right there. But instead, he chose to cover his sin. And friend, let me tell you something today. There's only one covering for sin. And that is the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. In his day, it was the Lamb, the blood of the Lamb, which pointed to Christ. Again, there is no other covering for sin other than the shed blood of Jesus Christ. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow. That makes me white as snow. There's no other covering for sin but the shed blood of Jesus Christ. That's it. But David chose another covering of his own making. 
And he has Uriah brought in from the battlefield. Uriah has no idea what's going on. Uriah comes in and he stands before David. And David says, hey buddy, how you doing? I'm doing fine, your majesty. How's the battle going out there on the battlefield? Everything's going fine. How's Joab doing? Is he leading the men pretty good? Yes, Joab's doing a great job. Are all the men faring well? Yes, everybody's doing good. Well, Uriah, you've had to travel quite some journey to be here. Why don't you go home and rest yourself and I'll call up the pizza place and have them deliver a pizza out to the house and you just rest yourself a little bit and I'll talk to you tomorrow. David was thinking that he could send Uriah home. He would be with his wife. And when the child come about, the child would be his. Everybody would think that the child was his and not David's. That's the way David was trying to cover his sin. But like I said, there is no covering for sin other than the blood of Jesus Christ. And Uriah wouldn't go home. How can I go home and be comforted when my buddies are out there on the battlefield fighting for Israel? And he wouldn't go home. So David's thinking now, what can I do to get him to go home? And in verse 13, the Bible says he got Uriah drunk. See, we like to just pick and choose and deal with the sin of adultery and the cold-blooded murder. And we overlook a lot of the other things that are going on, the little sins that are taking place along the way as well. And David getting Uriah drunk is a sin. Do you realize that most of the crimes committed, the perpetrator was drunk at the time they committed the crime? Do you realize that over half of the wrecks that occur on our highways is because the driver was drunk in his car? When I first started preaching years ago, doing some research as it pertains to alcohol, at that time, 20 million alcoholics in this nation. And just recently, I found out it's 40 million alcoholics in this nation. That means that one out of every five drivers that you meet going down the highway is drunk in their car. And now the government wants to legalize marijuana for recreational purposes. Can you imagine what it's going to be like then when you throw marijuana into the mix? As a Christian, as a child of God, you're to be a teetotaler. Leave it teetotally alone. You ain't got no business with any alcohol in your house. Well, you say, well, Brother James, it takes six beers for me to get drunk. 
six beers and I'm three sheets to the wind, Brother James. I can drink one beer and it doesn't bother me. Well, if six beers get you drunk, then one beer gets you one-sixth drunk, right? Every person today that is an alcoholic, it all started with that first drink. I don't care how you cut it. How you slice it, it all started with that one drink. And like I said, as a child of God, you ain't got no business with alcohol being in your refrigerator at home. You got something better than alcohol. Good grace and mercy. If Dana was here, I know she'd say amen, but I'm crazy enough without alcohol. (laughs) But he tries to get your eye drunk and... Your eyes still won't go home. And so David does something unthinkable now. If you look at it there in verse 15, he writes a letter, hands it to Uriah, and it says, Set Uriah on the forefront of the hottest battle and retire from him that he may be smitten and die. Uriah, when he was going back to battle to fight for his country, was carrying in his hand his death warrant. He had no idea. Why didn't God step in and stop this? God could have caused a very heavy rain to come down and washed the writing off the letter to where and saved Uriah's life, but God didn't do that. Why? I don't know. This chapter leaves a lot of questions that go unanswered. In this room today, and I know many by radio, it's the same thing. There's a lot of questions. Why didn't God do this? Why didn't God do that? Why didn't He step in and stop this? My life would be so much better if God had of only... I don't know. I don't have the answer to that. But I do know this. If you'll keep the faith, faith in Christ and what He did at Calvary, one day when you stand before Him, you can ask the questions. He'll give you an answer, and you will be satisfied. Word comes back to David that Uriah died on the battlefield. And I want you to look at this. This is what really stands out in my mind. 2 Samuel chapter 11, verse 25. Joab had some questions. He sends a messenger. And David said to the messenger, verse 25, Thus shalt thou say unto Joab, Let not this thing displease thee, for the sword devours one as well as another. Make the battle more strong against the city, and overthrow it, and encourage thou him. How cold and calloused can a person be how can a man after God's own heart the man who wrote the 23rd Psalm do such a thing I don't know but there's not a person under the sound of my voice today and me included that can walk in David's shadow he's the only one that the Bible said he was a man after God's own heart And if such things can happen to David, are we any better? 
The Bible says that the heart of man is deceitful and desperately wicked. Who can know it? And I'm going to close out with one last question today. It is a question that divides Christianity right down the middle. It's a hypothetical question. And it's this. If David had died during this time of adultery and cold-blooded murder, would he have died saved? Like I said, it splits Christianity right down the middle. And it depends on how you look at it. If you look at it through the eyes of law, then David would have died lost. But when you look at it through the eyes of grace, grace, what do I mean by that? God knew that when he sent Nathan the prophet to confront David concerning this sin, that David would repent and get it right. And God gave David that chance. Grace. I wonder how many under the sound of my voice today God is extending grace to you. He's given you another opportunity to come clean. I wonder how many will take advantage of that. the program today has been a blessing to you and you would like to have a free CD copy of this message, just give us a call or text us at 252-299-4234. You can also go to establishedinthefaith.com. There you will find today's message as well as many others that are in podcast form. But perhaps you need someone to just talk to or to just pray with you about something. Again, just give us a call at 252 252- Two nine nine four two three four. This program is an outreach ministry of Friendship Free Will Baptist Church over in Middlesex, North Carolina. As well, depends on the prayerful and generous financial support of listeners like you. To contact us or to contribute to this ministry, go to establishedinthefaith.com. Click on the Donate tab. It's easy and all donations are safe and secure through PayPal. You can also mail us at Established in the Faith, P.O. Box 601, Bailey, North Carolina, 27807. We look forward to hearing from you. I'm Haven. And I'm Juliana. And you've been listening to Established in the Faith with our dad, James Pierce. He's the pastor of Friendship Free Will Baptist Church over in Middlesex, North Carolina. We have Sunday school every Sunday morning at 945 and worship service at 11, as well as prayer meeting and Bible study every Wednesday night at 730. Go to establishinthefaith.com and click on the events tab for gospel singings and other special services. That's right, Jules. And the church is located at 744 Friendship Church Road in Middlesex, North Carolina, near the EMET community. On the website, if you click on the Contact Us tab, Google Maps will bring you right to us. We would love to have you, and we hope to see you there. And we hope today's program has been a blessing to you. Thank you for listening, and God bless you. (music) 